more you can build this culture in your team to work out loud and to find opportunities for content, people will start coming eventually and saying, hey, I had this thing happen. Would that be a good blog post? Would this be a good marketing email? Would this be great for social? And it does take time and you really have to drill it into people. But some of that most mundane stuff could end up turning into a really great piece. If you ever get stuck on where to take your marketing strategy, Wayne Stanley from Bow Digital has some great suggestions. Despite what many people say, email marketing isn't dead and title companies can find success on TikTok. In this interview, we talk about how you can unleash your creativity to think differently about what you do, some critical pieces of content every company should have, and how to reach your audience digitally. Wayne also explains what growing pumpkins has to do with growing your business. I'm Amanda Farrell, and this is Title Talks. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking time. So before we get started, can you go ahead and just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. My name is Wayne Stanley and I'm the owner of Bow Digital. We are a marketing agency that specializes in real estate title and mortgage lending around the country. We've got partners that we work with in about 40 different states and we do everything from digital marketing with websites, podcasts, videos, social media content to the traditional side of things with logo design, print collateral, and all of that types of fun. So we really love working in the title industry um, and uh, we've been going strong for four years now. So we're, we're ready for more. Awesome. Well, thank you so much um, for being here and taking some time to discuss marketing and really digging into some of the topics that are super relevant to those working in the title industry. So I wanted to get started and, you know, ask you a little bit about content marketing, inbound marketing. That's something that we at PropLogix focus on a lot, but I don't know, you know, in this industry, everyone is so busy, especially right now. And oftentimes there isn't one dedicated person to marketing and a lot of smaller companies. So I was wondering if first you could maybe talk a little bit about these concepts and how people can infuse them into their marketing plans. Sure, of course. It is hard. Content is uh, one of the hardest things for people to kind of think through and differentiate. And I think that one of the best ways to start with content of any kind at your company is to break the mold of what you think content is. I think for a lot of title companies, especially, and even those in the broader real estate community have always thought about content with this sort of like giant megaphone for their company that, you know, they think the content needs to be a breakdown of their uh, rate calculator or their title order form or, uh, you know, their 100 years in business. And if you think about content in terms of what would your customers want to read or what would your customers' customers have information on? That's where I think it can really unleash for you. For us, one of the exercises that we do with a lot of our customers is I will bring those old school writing prompt books that you might have had in college and really challenge people to think differently. And one of my favorite exercises from those books is if we were going to explain what your company does in a fortune cookie, what would it say? And immediately it puts you in a different mindset. You know that your fortune cookie has to be witty. You know that your fortune cookie has to be brief. Um, you know that it's one or two lines of super succinct information and uh, immediately puts them in this different mindset of thinking about what they would put out there. Um, another one that I love is if you were going to explain your real estate company to a pirate, how would you talk about it? And they instantly introduce all of this language that they would never use normally, like swashbuckling property rights and <laughs> fighting fraudsters and you know battling the oceans for all this stuff that they search for and whatever that may be. But it really, you know, if you think about it differently, that helps putting your team through that type of exercise that, you know, for the title industry, especially, we focus so much on what happens within our four walls that sometimes we forget that there's this giant world outside of it. And what's within our four walls is super important. But on the content side of things, 
you can really sort of unleash yourself if you think about it differently. And I think that that's one big piece on the content side. Another one is to to just start. So you talked about introducing it in a company. If it's uh, if you're wearing multiple hats, maybe you don't have the marketing team uh, like Bo or like the marketing team that Proclogics has that's constantly churning out stuff. If you don't have that, just setting aside dedicated time to create content once a week, even five minutes. You know, if you're able to put out a three paragraph blog post or a quick marketing email, that that can start the process for you. And I think that the easiest sort of form of content that you can put out if you're pressed for time are interviews or Q&A. If you can talk to other folks, you know, if you're a title company, talk to some of your um, newest real estate agents in town about what they're hearing, what they're seeing, what they're focused in. Talk to some of your highest producers about what matters, sort of history of various places in your community. It's summertime right now, so we do a lot of postings on um, what are people most excited about for the county fair. Uh, we do ice cream wars where we have realtors talk about uh, their favorite ice cream shop in town versus another realtor that may love the different ice cream shop. And so you're still putting yourself out there. You're still promoting your company, but you're putting out content that's not constantly title 101 or real estate 101 stuff that resonates with people and is going to get shared more so my two tips would be unleash yourself to think about your content a little differently and just start by giving yourself five minutes a week to create something yeah getting started can be difficult and i know even for myself i sometimes get that analysis paralysis where you kind of see all these opportunities and places that you can improve something or really focus in on something and it can feel overwhelming sometimes but just picking one thing and going for it is definitely great advice I'm also curious to know if you have any specific key pieces of content that you would say a title company absolutely needs to have like in their arsenal, their toolbox for, for marketing. There are a couple of key pieces. And I think one of those for any title company would be, you know, the things that would delay a closing. That's great content that people need to know. People need to be painted a picture for what to expect at closing. So for most of our customers, we recommend that they have a key piece of content for what they're going to have to bring to closing and maybe what they shouldn't. We have one client here in Indiana who has a really great list of things that you can't bring to closing based on things that have been brought previously, like snakes and moving boxes and all kinds of stuff. Um, so you can have fun with that, but definitely painting that picture of what to expect at closing. If you don't do these things ahead of time, this could delay it. That all is all good. Um, I think everybody talks about storytelling right now, but having content that tells your story effectively doesn't restate your mission statement, doesn't um, have just whatever content you know is on your website, but really explains to someone why should they use your title company versus ABC title down the street? Look at you know their their competitors. Look at what other people are saying. If you're all saying that you have great customer service, it might be true, but it still doesn't tell somebody why you versus somebody else. So that's another one. And then to round out kind of the top three outside of that, talk to your to your team that answers the phone, your frontline staff, and ask them what questions they consistently get. Um, I can tell you that one of the biggest questions all of our customers get all around the country is what's the parking situation when I come to close? It's a small thing, but it matters to people, especially you know if they're only buying a house six or seven times in their life, they don't remember this stuff, they're nervous. If they're a first time home buyer, they want to know ahead of time, they're gonna Google Earth it or whatever it might be. And it's a small one, but that's how we build content a lot is we ask the frontline staff, what are you hearing? What are you getting questions on? Because whatever gives them the most headache means we're probably not communicating it well enough uh, to our customers and colleagues right now. So those would kind of be my top three is to make sure you've got the closing piece, the story for your company and whatever kind of nuanced things like parking and otherwise for, for customers coming into the office. And you mentioned earlier, you know, for smaller companies to just sort of block out time in order to dedicate to marketing. 
is there anything else that you would suggest for those smaller title companies who don't have a dedicated marketing person? Some tips for, you know, maybe staying focused, getting started that's specific to them? Yeah. Uh, in addition to me, I know sometimes you can make the time, but like you said, Amanda, you can get paralyzed by the analysis of what you're putting on the paper or on the computer screen. And so make it a team effort. Involve as many people as you can. I talk about a phrase that I heard a long time ago called working out loud. Um, and in some ways, that's probably, you know, the jargony like, break down silos and, and don't work with barriers and everything, but it especially matters for content creation because the more you can build this culture in your team to work out loud and to find opportunities for content, people will start coming eventually and saying, hey, I had this thing happen. Would that be a good blog post? Would this be a good marketing email? Would this be great for social and it does take time and you really have to drill it into people. But some of that most mundane stuff could end up turning into a really great piece. There are a lot of curative title issues that happen or really unique uh, closing challenges that you could easily relate to pop culture. We had a customer recently who had a situation with the closing that involved somebody bringing precious gems like rubies and other things to the closing and we related that in a blog post to the Goonies movie to when they found the gems on the pirate ship at the end it went really well and so you may not know that as the person that's creating this you may not have been a part of that closing or it may just be yet another one of those stories of something sort of strange that happened but I think don't only take the time to try and create something, but try to involve as many folks as possible. And I know in a smaller organization that's hard, but if you can get people to wrap their head around that mindset of working out loud, if you are at least aware of it, then you can help steer it into some form of content or marketing as you move forward. I really love the emphasis on thinking about the storytelling aspect of it and especially you know, your example earlier of explaining what you do to a pirate, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but it really helps you sort of draw on certain metaphors that might be a little bit more engaging than just the typical sales pitch that a title agent might have for when they're at a party explaining what they do to, to other people. Right. And I've given two pirate examples now, but we've even done one for like, if you were going to explain your company to the Keebler elf, you know, then all of a sudden you've got baking analogies and, and forest and nature and all of that. There's, there's a lot of different directions you can go. You know, the housing market right now is really hot, but eventually things will slow down. So what are some of the things that marketing professionals in the industry or people who are in charge of marketing at their company, what can they do right now to prepare for that slowdown? To prepare for the slowdown that is eventually coming, I would say you can't stop. A lot of folks we're hearing right now, they're so busy, they don't want to market. They're like, we can't handle uh, the business that we have, why would we market? Now is the time to market. Now is the time where you have the room to get a little messy, to try things that you couldn't before because you do have that volume. So you don't have to be as nervous. If you are thinking about those things when the volume starts to go down, you're not going to have that same appetite to experiment, to try new things, to go after new business. You're going to be hyper-focused on getting as much business from your tried and true customers as you always have. So I always tell folks, you know, that you want to market more now. Yes, it's going to make things busier, but you want to start building those relationships and having those discussions, putting yourself out there so that when the market starts to dip, it's less of a steep decline for you. If you can raise the bar even more now, when it goes down, it's still gonna be above where it might've been, um, which is only gonna mean you know good things for your bottom line. But I think that you know that would be one tip is to not stop. Um, another one would be to really focus on those new customers, people that you've wished you could get business from for a long time now, as so much has, 
opened back up post-pandemic, people have a very different mindset than they did a year ago. And you may have, whether a salesperson or a marketing person or both, you may have had lots of conversations over the last year via Zoom with these people, but whatever you can do to try and reconnect and think about how do you bring new business in, even if that's one order a month, one order at a time, how do you do that and figuring out what matters most. And people always ask, you know, how do we know? You got to ask them. You got to talk to them about what matters most. And just because they're new to you doesn't mean they're new to the industry. So they may have super specific needs, wants, concerns that you have a specific skill set for that you could match. So have those conversations because now is the perfect time to be thinking about new business. I know that might stress out your uh, closers and title searchers and everything else, but it's the only way to make sure that that downtick doesn't affect you in quite as negative a way as it might. I had a previous conversation with a woman named Sundy. She's a title agent out in Minnesota, and she discussed, you know, customer satisfaction, and she uses a a survey program to gather that kind of feedback. And of course, she also has phone calls, one-on-ones with people as well. I'm curious, do you have any tips on how you gather that feedback from customers? Um, we do a lot of the online surveys as well. We rely on reviews, but I, for us, my experience is that the the old school phone conversations still matter most. The difference in those is that you can't let people give you the answer that they think you want to hear. You have to um, really think about. What are they saying? So if somebody says that they appreciate your customer service, you can't let them in there. What does that really mean? Do they appreciate the hours that you have, the office locations, the parking? For some people, it is the cookies or the coffee. Um, If somebody says that they value your communication the most, what is that? Is it how often you communicate, when you're communicating, uh, how the actual vehicles that you use for communication? Don't let them give you sort of the most vague answers. You've got to pinpoint it a little bit more there. And, the, and those phone calls are really the only way that you can that you can get to that. Our mindset is that we constantly, there's always going to be a list of things you could do better, right? There's always that, that's not going anywhere. But we always think about the marketing side is how do we make more people love what your customers love now? So if they love communication, we want to drill that down because if it's actually that they love the emails that your closers send, then we want to start promoting the emails that your closers send, not in general that you have great communication. So I think the more you can pinpoint that, the better. And it's still the best way to do it is to just ask old school, pick up the phone. <laughs> so do you have any suggested resources for title companies? There's, uh, you know, Alta's home ownership program, which I believe you are a part of. Yes, I helped start the program with a great number of people in the industry when I worked for the American Land Title Association. So can you talk a little bit more about, you know, those kind of materials that are provided by HOP and are there any other resources maybe that people can get from Bow Digital to help them with their content creation and getting started in marketing? Sure. Um, so the homeowner outreach program from the American Land Title Association has great, I mean, over a hundred different pieces of content and marketing material that title agents can use. It's meant to be for whatever your consumer is, whether that's a realtor, lender, real estate attorney, uh, homeowner, whoever. Um, There's all kinds of stuff in there from blogs, social media content, flyers, handouts, a little bit of everything. And so that's a really great piece where if you're an Ulta member, you can download it for free. You can use all of it for free. You don't have to give Ulta credit. Uh, None of it's copyrighted or trademarked. Um, You're able to use all of that pretty pretty seamlessly. Um, Another great tool that a lot of title agents like to use is called Breakthrough Broker. It's primarily built for real estate agents, but Breakthrough Broker has a number of pre-canned kind of library content that you can use to target real estate agents or that real estate agents can use to target buyers and sellers, which is obviously always top of mind for them. Another one that I think people don't lean on enough is 
vendors in the industry like PropLogix, like Bo Digital. You know, we're all putting out more content than ever before in what we do. I, you know, the the title production software companies all have blogs and eBooks and all kinds of stuff that they put out. There is so much information available that you don't have to recreate the wheel. I say all the time that you can be a, a thought leader for your customers without having to be an expert. So for me, that means that I can introduce someone to an idea about automation or artificial intelligence and not actually be doing it myself. Or I, as a title agent, I can share an article that talks about how to use Facebook Live for open houses this summer, but we're not actually doing that at our title company, but I can share that idea and give them some ideas of how they might utilize that without having to be an expert in it. And so if you think about your content and what you're sharing that way to try to make your life easier, there's so much happening in the industry content-wise that you should partner up like we are right now and uh, really think through what already exists and how can you put your own spin on it? You know, we saw that so-and-so posted this, here are our thoughts. And sometimes it's good to even challenge it. You know, if somebody put out a piece about how the future of marketing for a realtor is on Instagram, maybe you put a blog out that says in your market, you still think that, you know, people have to use Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter, who knows what. Sometimes that can be a little more edgy in what you're doing, but that's another great resource that a lot of people don't think about. They think of their vendors as specifically for them, but the content that's out there could be great to be shared regardless. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, a lot of the content that we put out, I know that Bo Digital puts out as well, it's there to get engagement, to get responses. And so to your point about, you know, if you disagree with some some concept, it that's okay because that's part of the the conversation that we want to have, right? We want people to share something and be like, this is an interesting point, but I have a different point of view and here's why. And having those kind of conversations is is really great in every industry. Now there's a um, there's an important distinction between maintaining good relationships with your clients or client retention versus closing new deals for marketing and sales teams. So can you talk a little bit about applying a growth mindset to the title industry and the marketing professionals within it? So I've recently started talking about the difference between sales and marketing uh, with my millennial mindset. It finally clicked for me uh, that it's a little like online dating these days. And if you're familiar with that at all, you can kind of think of it as swiping left or right for people. And for me, the marketing side of things is the dating side. So your marketing is meant to help you find other people that might like you. The the relationship side is the sales piece. That's when you've swiped right, you're interested, you're in, you're good to go. And that's hard for a lot of companies to kind of differentiate. There is a difference there. Um, I think as you think through like the the growth mindset, I've, I've said a lot this year that title companies are either maintaining their business or they're growing their business. And sometimes people see the maintenance side, you know, they say, we're happy with being a two county operation with three staff and we close 20 orders a month. And that's great. But maintaining that doesn't mean that you're inactive. So even if you don't have the growth mindset, if you're not acquiring, merging, uh, moving into new states, adding staff, really going after a great number of new customers, even if you're not doing any of that, you still have to be active in what's happening out there. And that's the real difference between growth and maintenance. And I think you know, applying that growth mindset in your title company looks a little different to everybody, but one of the big things to consider is what does your business look like in three years? And you can't, as a title industry, we do a lot of, but if maybe it depends, especially in terms of the housing market ebb and flow, you can't think about any of that, you know, just assuming that business is the way it is today. What do you want the business to look like in three years? And, you know, that might involve a number of SWOT analysis, which is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. That could look very different for every team. But 
figuring out, you know, and maybe maybe the company looks very similar to what it does now, but that's a conversation that you have to have. I think if you've decided that you're going to grow, if you're going to dominate, you're going to start acquiring new businesses, you're going to really go after new business while continuing to serve your legacy customers, you have to have a real plan in place, a plan that everybody knows about and that everybody can have some buy-in on in terms of how are you going to accomplish that. It's one thing to constantly you know, I think a lot of organizations say that, say that they want to grow, and then they have a couple of cheerleaders on the team that constantly talk about it and push for it. But if everybody doesn't know the concrete action steps that you're going to take to get there, that's where it can fall apart. And so a growth mindset means that you're you're all in on this. It's not... Um, a growth cheerleader or a growth enthusiast. I say that a lot in the industry that we have a lot of growth enthusiasts, but not always people that really have the mindset shift where they've got a plan in place to accomplish that. Because going from a two-county operation to a statewide or a one-state operation to a multi-state operation doesn't happen overnight. And you have to have a lot of pieces in place, not just on the marketing side, but operationally and everything else that you have to consider. And if everybody's not involved in that mindset, it's very easy to just fall back into your own ways and sort of shift back into maintenance mode. And that's not really what you want. So as companies try to expand into new markets and reach new customers, what do companies need to keep in mind to appeal to their new audience? <laughs> um, I think that one of the biggest challenges for title companies right now, even if it's not a new market, is this difference in customer expectation. And I kind of talk about it as legacy customers, customers that you've had for a very long time that maybe still have five to seven more years of business left to give versus customers that have been in the business for two to three years. Their expectations for the closing experience and all of that look very different. They value technology and security and all of the investments that you're making as a title company very differently. So keep that in mind for when you move into these new markets and you're looking at new audiences. I think that the biggest hurdle for a lot of folks is to come in with confidence and experience, but not arrogance. I think a lot of title companies make the mistake of saying, well, we've been in business in Indiana for 25 years. Why? Of course we can come into Florida and do business now. We, you know, we, we close 100 orders a week in Indiana. This is the exact same. Everybody, like most things in life, we all want to know what's in it for me. We all feel like my experience, my perspective is so different than anybody else's. Whether that's true or not, perception is reality. <laughs> um, and so you want to come in as, a, as somebody who wants to learn. And so I think one of the really uh, successful marketing tactics that a lot of title companies use with new audiences is to have roundtable discussions. As you're thinking about content when you move into new markets, that kind of thing is really great. A video with having a couple of realtors at once come in and just talk about, hey, we're new in town. We wanted to get your take on you know, whatever the issue might be. What have you seen in wire fraud in Tallahassee recently? What are you seeing with, um, what technology have you seen kind of have the biggest bark but the littlest bite over the last 12 months in Orlando or, you know, wherever the stuff might be, getting their interaction kind of shows that you're a team player. They're more likely to start listening to you right away because you're, you're playing to their vanity a little bit by making sure that they're involved. But I think that balance of experience with we're here to learn, we're ready to, we can, we can serve you, but we don't know everything, I think goes a big way to appealing to those new audiences. And so what do people need to keep in mind to continue to engage with their previous audiences once they start expanding? Yeah, that goes back to that customer expectation piece. Um, you have to continue talking to those folks. You have to give a little bit of assurance that while things are changing, the way that they still love to do business will still be there. And I, that's hard because maybe it won't be. 
Um, and I think you have to have very specific, whether it's marketing or conversation or whatever it might be, you have to have communication with those folks to outline why you're making these changes. Because I think that um, it's not necessarily an age thing. It's a comfortability with what you're doing in your growth. So it's not that they aren't tech savvy or any of those things. It's how they like to do business, what their values are. And so if you're making a big change on something that they like, you know, if they've always been able to call their closer to put in their title order, and now you're going to move to a system that allows you to do it all online, and that's how they're going to be communicated with, and you really don't want them to call the closer anymore, you've got to explain that in a way that makes it seem like you're not shifting away from what they expect and why they've used you previously. And a lot of folks, that implementation of new technology, new processes, all of that, it takes more communication than I think people realize. And so as you move into new markets, the same is true. People need to know, oh, are they moving into... Texas for a money grab? Are they not interested in what I'm doing in Illinois anymore? We see that a lot. And we know that, you know, those small things can easily start ticking away and a real estate agent might start shifting business elsewhere. One or two orders here, one or two orders there. And it adds up over time. So you've got to have I, I like to talk about it more as communication and not marketing. It's not the super in your face, but it is a more intimate style of this is why we're doing it. Here's how it will affect you. And here's what we're doing to make sure that you still have a great experience with us. I think if you can kind of follow those three things, then you'll be safe with your existing audience. Do you think it is okay for title agents to be open to a no from a customer if they realize that they have an idea, a way to grow their company and to serve more people better and to make the process more convenient overall. This reminded me of something I read in a book about being okay to leave some customers behind who don't see your vision. How do you, what do you think about that? I think sometimes you can't grow without some of that change and that scares people. Um, but you, you have to be prepared for that. I read a book a long time ago uh, called The Pumpkin Plan, and I kind of live by it today. But it basically the, the gist of it is that these farmers that have the giant prize pumpkins that are, you know, bigger than a car each fall that you see on like the Today Show, they don't, that doesn't just happen because it's one miracle seed or something. It is a constant rotating of pumpkins on the vine. Um, sometimes you can tell very early that one of the pumpkins on the vine is just never going to be that prize pumpkin and you've got to cut it. Um, and if you don't have the staff and resources to rotate the pumpkins, that are going to bring you the most money at the farmer's market, that are going to win the prize uh, at the end of the fall season, then you've got to stop rotating them. You've got to cut them loose. And so that really rang true for me for not just the marketing and business side, but just in general, who we want to work with, who it makes sense. And so I constantly remind our, our team, you know, are the pumpkins on the vines the one that we want? Are we, are we spinning <laughs> dead pumpkins right now? And so I think that you do have to have that conversation to think through if we end up losing their business is the end goal of where we're trying to get in our growth is that is that part of the process and sometimes that's okay but you have to you have to know that that's the case and i think especially internally set that expectation otherwise your team will lose their minds trying to service both not knowing that you're totally okay with them not wasting time on somebody that's not going to be a long-term customer anymore I agree for sure. Uh, and I love your metaphor there about the pumpkin growing. <laughs> That's great. I love that book. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. This is a, a question that I sort of asked to Daryl Turner as well. You know, from the sales perspective, I wanted to know how does he coach sales reps to differentiate title insurance policies from other title insurance policies? Because most of them are underwritten by the big four. What aspects of title insurance should companies hone in on to create a value proposition that differentiates them from the competition? I know earlier you mentioned customer service is something that people 
talk about in every industry, I think, and say we have great customer service, the best customer service. So is that really a value proposition to focus on? What what can people say with certainty that this is a great reason to work with my title company? That's a great question. I think a lot of people put a focus on, you know, as far as the title insurance itself goes, an enhanced policy versus a standard policy sometimes. You know, in some states it's it's way more custom to always offer the enhanced and they don't do the standard as much. Or some underwriters have, you know, small variances there as far as the policy goes. But our experience and our recommendation to most is to not necessarily lean on the insurance product because it is the same virtually, you know, for, for most of these companies. Some of the exceptions and all of the other nerdy sort of title jargon uh, might be uh, slightly different, but to the consumer, a lot of that protection is perceived to be similar. So for when your real estate agent is trying to decide who to use for their customer, you've got to lean in on, you know, other pieces of the business. And for us, it's the human side. Um, it is no matter how much technology you have, how much you're doing with automation and artificial intelligence and all of these things, it's still people on your team that are pressing the buttons, pulling the levers, making decisions. And so most of the time when you really drill down on those things that I talked about before in terms of what does customer service really mean? What does communication really mean? It almost always goes back to a person or people on the team. So that's really the greater value proposition is talking about what they do to benefit you and how they use all of these tools to benefit you. That's where we see the most success and the most uh, differentiation because that's, I mean, that's where the culture is built. That's where, you know, you can have several different um, apps for ordering title or for getting a net sheet calculator and all the, but at the end of the day, they're kind of spitting out very similar information. So the true differentiator is the team. And we go through that for everything that we do from their social. Uh, we always do a check before we launch websites. You know, does this meet the human element? Are there actual people in pictures and in video on here? That's usually the real differentiator. And I'm sure on a sales side, there's probably a lot of stuff that Daryl said that could go into the policies. But I think on the marketing side, it just gets lost in the noise. And so you've really got to think about how the humans on your team differentiate your company. And again, in a way, you can't use the big, bland soapbox statements of customer service, years of experience, technology. You've got to really drill down to explain specifically how you use those things to benefit your customers. And you know, if you don't know, you've got to sit down and, and try to map that out so that you can figure out how you're going to talk about it in a way that is concise but accurate for your company. So I wanted to talk a little bit too about personal branding. I think that's something that a lot of people have been talking about lately. So how important do you think building a personal brand is for people in the title industry? And what does that look like? I think it's super important to have your own brand in the title space and really in any industry. I think it looks a little different depending on what you're, what you're after. I think that where we see the best branding is on LinkedIn. I mean, that's super active in the industry right now. Um, I think whether you're a company that is looking to do more with mergers and acquisitions, it makes a lot of sense for your ownership or leadership team to have a personal brand on LinkedIn to show and be a part of those types of conversations. As far as your sales and marketing team goes, we see the most success on LinkedIn in terms of going after new lender customers and new investor customers. And then having your personal brand on Instagram and maybe Facebook, but on Instagram especially, that's really where you can go after new real estate agents right now. As far as what that looks like, we get a lot of questions. I would bet one of my top three questions I get is, 
do I need a separate social media life for my business side of things versus my personal side of things? And I always tell folks, you know, if, if you're doing things on the personal side that you could get fired for, <laughs> then you should probably have a professional uh, side of life. I think that that sounds like a nightmare. I, I can barely manage all of the platforms that I have now and have figured out how to merge the two in a way that's comfortable for me. Um, and I think that that's really where you have to sit with your own personal brand is what's comfortable to you. What are you willing to put out there? What are you willing to try differently? We talk to folks a lot right now about auditing your brand. If you're hearing this and you're like, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what my personal brand is. A couple of ways that you can audit it is obviously Google yourself. Um, see what comes up. People are shocked to, to Google themselves and to see what's on there sometimes. And then also, you probably haven't looked at what you've written in your profiles, your about me's, your bio sections for all of your social platforms platforms since you set them up. You know, maybe LinkedIn you updated because you switched jobs, but that's a really important one for your brand. So go through those, audit those, think about does this say what I want it to say? You know, if you're um, a more religious person and your bio is just one Bible verse, that's great. And that works for you on the personal side. And that may have been what was on your mind when you created your account. But if you're going to use this to sell and to be sort of that brand and persona for your business, people need a little more than that. And that's true for anything, but that's, and that's going to help with Google search results and all of that stuff too. But go through your bios and your about me is to see what's, what's there and makes sense. Everybody should have a professional headshot. I saw a couple of title companies this week, actually, that did stories asking if somebody had a professional headshot. And it still blows my mind that in 2021, lots of people don't. Um, they use, you know, whatever photo was taken, like at the summer barbecue, and they try to crop out the solo cup in their hand. And that doesn't count. And that, you know, for your brand that kind of super low-key casual vibe might be great but still you want a professional headshot that you can give if somebody wants you to talk to be on a webinar or podcast or in general it just elevates what you're doing that much more to look a little more polished and then i think that you've got to have some sort of interaction and engagement you can't be a lurker there are lots of people in title I won't call names out on this podcast, but there are lots of people in title that I would call professional lurkers, uh, meaning that they have a great, super slick brand for themselves, but they're not super engaged. They might pop in every once in a while to conversations or, or they might congratulate somebody for a new job or a new acquisition or something, but otherwise you don't really see them. They're just, they're watching everything else happen. Um, you don't want that to be your brand. Nobody wants their brand to be a professional lurker. And if I'm talking about you right now and you're like, oh my God, I had no idea I was the lurker you can change it, you know, just start being more active, have those conversations, invite conversations on your own account. So that all helps too. But that's, I would say how you would start at least to think about your personal brand a little differently. I feel a little called out because it's been a while since I've updated my profile on LinkedIn. I have Googled myself and it's amazing because your LinkedIn profile does rank pretty high on Google. So that's something important to remember, you know, what you have on your LinkedIn, a lot of people are going to be seeing it. And I also probably lurk a little bit more than I should because I'm a bit of an introvert. So sometimes I just like, I'm not really quite sure what to say. So if other people listening also feel like, you know, they're not sure what to say, it's okay. You're not the only one. <laughs> so... <laughs> So is there a difference between you know, personal branding and social media marketing? And I also thought about another buzzword that I hear a lot too in marketing, which is social selling. What are your thoughts on, on all those different things and how they work together or differ? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think that your brand is, it's a piece of social media marketing for sure, but it's not everything. I think that the difference really for me is that social media marketing is just that. It's marketing your your company or yourself on social media, but your personal brand may go beyond that. I tell folks all the time that just because you're doing really well on all things digitally for your company doesn't mean that you can forget the old school. You still have to network and build new relationships and go to those in-person events and 
you know, that may mean less of like the golf course type outings and things like that these days, but being that resource for people matters. And I think your, your brand goes into that and you may be talking more about that on social. There are definitely blurred lines there, but I think that that's the main difference for me. The social selling piece is something that um, it is definitely a buzzword right now. I think that that's a little bit more on the, the sales side. And I think that, you know, for a lot of people that involves a variety of different things that your company may or may not have access to. Social selling is when you're using data and social listening. You are lurking a little bit. Social listening is when you're looking at what kinds of conversations people are happening, uh, are having on your local uh, realtor board LinkedIn group or your local mortgage bankers association, that kinds of things. People that are looking at what the competition are doing, creating content, sharing that and it's a whole sort of web of things that go into social selling that I think a lot of us are doing it. We just may not have that tagline for it. But I think if you are doing the things we talked about previously in terms of listening to your customers, asking them questions, but then also putting yourself out there to engage with them a little differently on their, um, uh, on their turf, I think that, that you're on the right path for the social selling piece. Do you have any favorite social media tools that you use? I mean, I love Instagram and Instagram stories. I think that they're fantastic. And what if you've got to pick one thing, that's what you should be doing. Um, as far as a tool, I mean, our go-to, our go-to tool for just about everybody is Canva. I think it's the easiest way for an organization with limited resources or budgets to be able to create and sort of keep up with the Joneses sometimes. I think people originally thought of Canva as sort of like a knockoff graphic design tool, but it's grown so much. It has so many tools that you can utilize now for companies of any size, really. Um, and it's got great templates. And so it's a, it's a one-stop shop for a lot of people. So that's a, a favorite as well. And then it's, it's not necessarily a tool, but I often tell people to use these apps for what they're best at. So if you want to start doing more Instagram stories, we tell a lot of our customers that you should actually record your stories on Snapchat because they have better editing tools like stickers and filters and text and music and all of that. Record it, create it there, save it, and then move it to Instagram stories. Snapchat probably hates that we use it as a more of a producer rather than a uh, an actual platform, but uh, it works really well. So use those types of things. A lot of people, I mean, you'll see reels are really uh, engaged with on Instagram. And a lot of them have the TikTok logo on there because people will create a TikTok video and then put it on Instagram reels to be viewed. So use the apps for their strengths and then use that to share your content. And it's not a tool, but we do love TikTok around here at Bo Digital. I think everybody has their own favorite accounts. Uh, and a lot of people think of TikTok as this, you know, it's dancing and it's the viral crazes, but there is a whole community for education on TikTok and not just education, but information. And so there are a lot of mortgage companies that are selling or that are sharing great information on TikTok. There are a lot of realtors that are having great information on there. And there's a, a space for title companies to get involved. So I think it's a, a tool that you'll see a lot of growth in in the future. Yeah, I actually just started getting more involved in TikTok. I don't make anything. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty shy when it comes to videos and whatnot. So I haven't put any content out there, but I do love consuming content on TikTok. And it's crazy how quickly uh, an hour, two hours can go by where you're just watching these 15 second, 30 second videos of people, you know, telling jokes or, or whatever it might be. Have you had anyone, any of your clients have success on TikTok? We had one that had great success and their real estate agents and lenders were loving it, but they recently, Indiana has a pretty strict regulatory system. And so for right now it's on pause, but as soon as it's back up, I will send it to you guys for an example. But we have had We've got a couple that are in the works. We're doing a lot of planning for what that content would look like and how can we 
create a bunch of content that's a little more evergreen that we can share whenever we want. We're going through that planning process now, but the one that was doing it actively, they were getting a lot of attention from new customers in the lending and realtor space. So it, it can work, but it's on pause for right now. That's so sad to hear. I, oh, I, I hope it comes back. <laughs> me too. Me too. It was so much fun. What are some other great tools available to title agents to help them with marketing? I think a lot of title agents are afraid of email marketing. You know, they're not sure where to start. They're worried about spamming people. It's still for as much press as it gets, you know, emails dead, all of this stuff. It's still one of the best ways to market and communicate to people. The best tools that we utilize are sites like MailChimp and Constant Contact. A lot of title agents aren't sure where to even get a list. And you can start with your customer list from your title production software and give people the opportunity to opt out of those emails. Some people try to remove that and that's uh, not something that you're allowed to do, but that's one for a lot of folks that we try to tell them that they should be thinking about. Um, a couple of other tools that we really love are some of the apps that allow you to embed video into your emails. So apps like BombBomb or Hippo or Warm Welcome are three of them that allow you to record a video and throw it in your email. I can say that we probably get a 70 to 80% open rate on emails that include those types of videos where it turns the video into a GIF. People feel sort of a, a need to respond to those videos because they think that we've taken that much more time to say, Hey, Wayne, really hope you're having a great day. Are you going to sign that contract? <laughs> and people are much more uh, quick to respond to those. It's easier for us. We feel like that's it's faster. Like we were talking about at the very beginning of this, we're not agonizing over what we're typing in the email. We're just saying our message and sending it out. So those perform really well. I would say another one right now for a lot of folks, uh, this goes into something you and I have chatted about a little bit previously, but would be chatbots. Really consider a chatbot on your website or by using some of the chatbot features on, on Facebook Messenger. Um, those are really good ones that Everybody's sort of used to those tools now. You know, if you're going to pay your Verizon bill or you're going to interact with Whole Foods or 1-800-Flowers online, they all have chatbots and you're used to it. And it, it can answer some of those questions that you get all the time without um, having your team have to do it or allow people to ask those questions after hours. That's kind of the next phase of tools that I think people are going to get into with their marketing in the title space. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we end the conversation today? I don't think so. I, I, the, I guess the one thing I would tell folks is that I know a lot of this sounds like a lot of homework. People think about their marketing as, I always say it's that one post-it note that gets moved to the next, to the next, to the next, because so much of your business, it takes time. And so whether you hire somebody like Bo Digital or you hire somebody internally or part-time or whatever that may look like for you, you have to have time to think about how you're going to talk about your business. Because if you're not talking about it, nobody else is going to. And so, like I said at the very beginning of this conversation, we do a great job in the title industry of talking within our four walls and we don't do enough externally outside of that. And so if you're not doing it, there's nobody else that's going to do it for you. So you've got to get started or reinvigorate or whatever that may be for you. You have to start now for sure. Well, Wayne, thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Amanda. You too. And thanks to PropLogix for this. If you want to learn more about chatbots, the difference between AI and automation, and how the title industry is leveraging the latest marketing technology, join me and Wayne on August 19th at 3 p.m. for our webinar presentation, Leveraging Automation and AI in Marketing. You can go to proplogics.com forward slash webinars to register. Title Talks is produced by PropLogics and myself. Original music is by Cole Sando. Original graphics are by Jordan Norris. Until next time, happy closings.